Rinkwide Vancouver. The Vancouver Canucks ring in the new year in style, jumping out to a big lead and doubling the Ottawa Senators 6-3 at Rogers Arena. Happy New Year, everybody, from all of us here at Rinkwide, which is brought to you by Betway, Jeff Patterson, along with Irfan Gaffar, first Rinkwide of 2024, Vancouver Canucks, first game of the new year, and they atone for their final game of 2023. That sluggish loss to the Philadelphia Flyers, you wondered, Irf, rest versus rust. They haven't played an awful lot, just one game in 10 days, but they put that answer to bed pretty quickly in this hockey game, jumping all over the Senators, opening the scoring two minutes and 14 seconds in, and then piling on from there, five goals in the first period, a 5 nothing lead, and then they were able to kind of put their feet up and yeah. cruise the rest of the way, 6-3, the final, the Canucks over the Sens. A couple of those practice days uh, definitely paid off for Rick talking and his bunch, getting it down to the details <laughs> once again, and you know, they scored early and they scored often, Jeff, yes. in the first period of that game. Fifth time they scored six goals in a hockey game. There's also some a bunch of other really, really good stats. 24th time this year they scored the first goal of the game tied with Pittsburgh as well. They were all over the Ottawa Senators. And you got to credit the Vancouver Canucks for the way that they came out and played. But my, that Ottawa team is just, they're just trying to find themselves in all sorts of different directions, Jeff, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, they are sort of that proverbial box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I mean, they beat Buffalo 5-1 to in their last game at home. Anton Forsberg made 45 saves, and so clearly he earned the start here. And yet it looked like Jonas Corposalo, who came on in relief after a period, was going to blank the Canucks the rest of the way until a crazy bounce at the end by Pia Suter for his second goal of the game. And look, the Canucks were the better team, don't get me wrong, but Earth. Like, they got a year's worth of bounces oh in the goodness. first game of 2020. Like, just crazy goals outside of the Ian Cole goal that opened the scoring. And we're talking about Ian Cole with his first goal in over a year. Uh, that one was a clean goal. Point shot through some traffic. After that, every goal the Canucks scored the rest of the night, either a deflection, a, and when I say a deflection, not meaning a guy tipping it. I'm talking about bouncing and double deflections and doink here and a doink yeah. there, whatever. I mean, look, you work for your bounces and they got them. They've been getting a ton this year. People always talking about PDO and, you know, the fact that uh, they don't get a lot of shots, but they do score a lot of goals. And that was the case again here tonight. Only 26 shots at the end of the night, but six <laughs> more goals to add to the collection. And most importantly for the Vancouver Canucks, it's a win. It's a response to that Philadelphia game their 24th victory of the season. And this one's, I mean, they're all important, but this one's important because it puts them up over the 50-point mark, 37 games. They are halfway to 100 now. And in fact, they're more than halfway because uh, they got points 50 and 51 with the victory. 24, 10, and 3, 51 points in their 37 games. So they are now a full 14 games above NHL 500. And that home ice record that took a hit against the Flyers, a nice response from the Canucks. 14-4-1 in the 19 games that they've played in front of the paying customers at the Raj. In front of the great one. And the great, and one, the great was there. one was there, yes. Well, a pretty good show. He was he there did. for the morning skate. Clearly, he liked what he saw then. He wanted more. <laughs> and uh, there he was. Yeah. Got a great reaction, too. I, I was a little surprised. Like, he's been back a number of times. Obviously, I think I've been dropping the puck with the, the queen way back when. I, like, I was surprised at the overall reaction, the sort of visceral reaction. Hey, it's Wayne Gretzky up on the Jumbotron and people out of their seats and like a massive standing O. So, yeah, the great one can still uh, command uh, 
the respect of the hockey fan, and, and rightly so. But, yeah, it was kind of cool to have him in the building. Yeah, I think also it has to do with his media job. People getting to know him a little bit more. Getting to know him again, again, kind again, of. Again, yes. kind of, yes. But uh start with Ian Cole. First goal in 90 games. Ian Goal. <laughs> I saw your, your your tweet. Only uh him and Nikolai Goldobin have scored wearing number 82. So that was great. But you mentioned, you know, the bounces. The, the hockey gods, when they're on your side, sometimes they're really on your side. Elias Patterson had two shots. Neither of them he took were on net. Like one, the first goal kind of went around and it just went in. And then the second one, oh my goodness. Even he just watching his celebration, he knew that that was going nowhere near the net. And it just ended up going in. Obviously the Pia Suter, the end of the game there to, to, to make it six goals for the Vancouver Canucks was a backbreaker for Corpus Allo. Probably wants to have that back along with many other things, but they were good when they needed to be Jeff in the first period, I think. And even though the bounces were going their way, they definitely controlled that first period, especially early on in the first 10 minutes of that period. Well, they do open the scoring an awful lot, as you said. Yeah. Nobody does it more in the NHL. But scoring the first goal doesn't necessarily mean a fast start. And we've documented this. They were being outshot 10 nothing by Chicago not that long ago. It took them 14 minutes to get their first shot on goal against Minnesota. They ultimately blanked the Wild 2-0. It's a shutout win. Looked pretty handy, but it took them 14 minutes to get going that night. None of that. I do think the rest certainly worked in their favor. Rick Tockett uh, had them working hard at practice the last couple of days, but no travel uh, over the Christmas holidays. I mean, a few of the guys, I guess, zip home and, and back, but they've been in town here. Uh, working on a few things. And if you look at the Ottawa Senators, I mean, the Canucks have played about as much hockey as anybody in the NHL. The Senators, it's just their 33rd game. They're going to have a busy second half. And, uh, you know, since Christmas, this is their fourth game for the Canucks, just their second. And Ottawa was playing at home on Sunday, had to fly out here on Monday and out of their time zone, all that kind of stuff. Like home ice is very much an advantage. And it had to be. Now Philadelphia flew the day before their game. And Omaze wasn't an advantage for the Canucks. So they kind of got a do-over in that sense, and they got it right. And I like the fact that they they took the play to the Ottawa Senators, and that's something that good teams will do. The Ian Cole goal, you know, a nice <laughs> snapshot from him. But if you think about the play, Mikheyev, hard room around the boards. Elias Pettersson elects to let it slide all the way to the right point, and he draw. I mean, it's Petey. So, of course, the Senators are drawn to him, but the puck gets back to Juleson, quick D to D, and then Ian Cole with a snapshot kind of textbook the way that Rick Tockett would want the Canucks to work in zone there. So on the scoreboard, 214 in, they score on their first shot on goal. You know, this team can't start games uh, the way they want to. This was the start that they were looking for. And as it turned out, they were just getting warmed up because there were a bunch of other chances. Ilya Mikheyev was set up beautifully by JT Miller in the slot. And Mikheyev had a couple of chances on the night. Figures in the scoring. He gets the second assist on that Ian Cole goal. But boy, he had a breakaway. Uh, shorthanded in the second period. So there were some chances there for McCabe. They didn't all go in for the Vancouver Canucks on the night, but lots did. Six in total in the 6-3 victory. Pia Suter, great awareness on his part on his first goal. Uh, again, strange bounce. The Lafferty deflection goes up over the net, off the glass. Uh, Forsberg and other senators are kind of wheeling around trying to figure out where the puck is. Pia Suter knew exactly where yeah. it was the whole time, sort of shades of... Kevin Bieksa way back when. I mean, there weren't many people in the building that knew where the puck was, but Suter had his eyes on the prize the whole time, gloves it down, puts it in his stick and into the back of the net. And boy, he was uh, just getting warmed up with that one, his seventh of the night. We should talk about this too. A couple of minutes into the hockey game, the Canucks are down a man. Phil DiGiuseppe leaves after two minutes and 13 mm -hmm. seconds of ice time, only three shifts and didn't return. And so... You know, credit to the coaching staff. That's not always easy when you're down on that early, 11 forwards, and you got to rotate guys in and and make sure that everybody's 
getting ice time and getting their opportunities. And so uh, that McKay chance from JT Miller that I mentioned, like that was sort of the first indication that like McKay was out there with Miller and Bester, what's yeah. going on? And and that's when D Giuseppe had left the hockey game. So uh, we'll see moving forward as the Canucks head out on a seven-game road trip. I would assume that uh, and we'll wait for any sort of update on D Giuseppe, but probably called to the farm. You're going back east, and so we'll see uh, who gets the call uh, from the Abbotsford Canucks. But uh, in the meantime, the Canucks pushed on with those 11 forwards, and 11 was uh, plenty enough on this night. Elias Pettersson, you mentioned him. You know, he figures prominently in the scoring goals, 14 and 15, and good for him. And he got a power play goal, something that hasn't happened nearly enough for him and for this hockey club of late and all the work they did prior to the game. We talked about uh, the great one being in the building to watch him in the morning skate. Really interesting, something I haven't seen certainly this year, but just the five guys from that first unit out there for close to half an hour at an mm-hmm. optional morning skate with Rick Tockett, with Daniel and Henrik. And I think it was a recognition that this is a power play that, was 12.5% through the month of December, like not good enough. And then they get the gift of the worst penalty killing in the National Hockey League arriving on the doorstep here to open the new year. Zach McEwen in his 200th NHL game, the former Canuck, look, his team's down, they're getting run out of the building. I get it. Part of his role, tried to go Noah Juleson, Juleson sort of reading the room and like, what's the point for him at that stage? And McEwen just wouldn't let up, so he got 2-10. and 10. As it turned out, it was the only power play the Canucks had on the night. And uh, again, Elias Pettersson sort of fans on the one-timer uh, going wide, but uh, Jake Sanderson's stick had other ideas and deflects it uh, perfectly between the legs of Anton Forsberg. And that was the fifth goal and would be the final goal that Forsberg gave up on the night. And we talk about JT Miller. You know, we've done enough of these here of late, picking up his points, hanging with the big boys in the NHL <laughs> scoring derby, and yet... It had all been through assists here through most of December. He'd gone eight games without a goal, and you always hear guys say, just need a bounce. Yeah. Right? Just, I'll take an ugly one. They don't come much uglier than that, Earth, but they count. And as it turns out, I mean, that's the game winner. It was the 4 nothing goal. Uh, Senators got three on the night. So J.T. Miller's 16th of the season, his first since December the 9th against Carolina. But that was the double deflection of all time and uh, you could see, I mean, at 4 nothing and at 5 nothing, the reaction of the Canuck players, you know, it kind of had shades of uh, that night in San Jose back in early November. Like, you wondered, were they going to push double digits? Ultimately, they didn't come anywhere close to that. And give the Senators some credit, too. Like, they could have packed their bags early in this hockey game and recognized that it wasn't their night. They didn't go quietly. And, in fact, they outshoot the Canucks 29-11 over the final 40 minutes. I'm not going to grind the Canucks on that. When you have a 5 nothing lead, yeah. sometimes it's hard to play and sort of keep that intensity up. In fact, it reminded me a lot of Roberto Luongo's uh, Ring of Honor night when the Canucks had the 4 nothing lead on Florida, and the Panthers outshot the Canucks 15-1 to in the third period, but most of the shots were from the outside. Thatcher Demko really wasn't tested an awful lot that night, got the shutout. Uh, doesn't get the shutout in this one because uh, the Sens struck early in the second period and then again early in the third period. Did they make it interesting at 5-3? to a little bit, I think. Yeah. Pull the goal, you're going to get an extra chance or whatever. But you know, Demko, and Demko made a brilliant save on Shabbat late in that game as well. But another one, Jeff, another three goals from Thatcher Demko. I mean, it's oh, it's one of those where it's, it was late, the extra attacker, whatever. The game was well out of reach. But it's still another one. It's still going to add to his, his save percentage. It's still going to be, you know, uh, there at the end of the year when, when it comes to the stats and, and things of that nature. I mean, they won the game. It was 
6-3 was convincing, but it's just a number that's still there. It is, and this is four straight starts now for Thatcher Demko where he's allowed three. Two of those four games, he's allowed three. The other two is four. And it is kind of funny because I still think he is the presumptive favorite yep. for the Vesna. He leads the NHL and wins. But then you look at what Connor Hellebuck and the Winnipeg Jets are doing, and you're right, the save percentage you know, that's one of those statistics that some of the voters will look at. And if it continues to take a beating here, <laughs> even though they're winning handily, you'd just like to see him shore it up a little bit. Again, he's he's going to be in that discussion based on his wins and his early season performance. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the night, he gives up three, but uh, he got the run support he needed. And we should mention as well, congratulations to Thatcher Demko, his 99th career victory. So not the big round one just yet. The next one, will be number 100, but interestingly enough, with 99 wins, joins Jacob Markstrom, his <laughs> former teammate, at that total for Canuck victories, fourth place all time on the Vancouver Canucks wins list. So uh, moving his way up there, and Thatcher Demko's got lots of good years in front of him, so he is going to continue to climb the ranks, and I think uh, once he gets past Markstrom, it's Dan Cloutier is the, the next guy that he'll have in his sights. Third time, Jeff. Mm-hmm. This season, a team has scored five goals in a period. The other two teams were the Arizona Coyotes that did it and the Detroit Red Wings. You and I were talking about, didn't the Canucks do it against San Jose when they dropped a 10 spot? But no, but, you know, it's interesting. When I thought when when that stat came out and I saw those two teams, I was like, what, really? But the Vancouver Canucks now putting themselves in another category this season on a positive note. Yeah, it was the third time that they had had a 5-0 lead. Of course, they shut out the St. Louis Blues 5-0, and then they had the... Uh, 10-0 lead <laughs> on, on San Jose. 5-0. That's child's play. They got it to double digits in San Jose before the Sharks scored that late one back uh, in November. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're the Vancouver Canucks, you know, you want Elias Pettersson going. Even if they're ugly goals, yeah. whatever. He's up to 15 now before the midway mark of the season. So, again, uh, I think he's going to have a pretty good chance to push 40 when all is said and done. JT Miller picks up his points and then... You know, some of the supporting cast, uh, I, I joked uh, on social that uh, it was nice of the rest of the Canucks to pick up that third line for a change when they were having an off night. Uh, Teddy Bluger's point streak comes to an end, and uh, Garland and Joshua weren't terribly prominent in this hockey game, but that's okay. I mean, those guys have carried the load for this <laughs> hockey club through much of the month of December. Uh, and in fact, heading into this game, Teddy Bluger over the last 10-game segment was the Vancouver Canucks' leading scorer. With a point a game. He had 10 points in the 10 games prior to this one. So there will be nights ahead where those guys will continue to do their thing. And they didn't play poorly. It's just that they didn't figure in the scoring. But a guy like Pia Suter rises up. And, you know, what a nice addition he has been for this hockey club. Obviously, the season was interrupted there, 14 games. With the injury, suffered in Montreal, came back at the end of the homestand, the Florida game that we talked about, you know, we, we talked about the depth guys, whether it's Nils Hoaglander getting the double digits and Mikheyev's in double digits as well, Sam Lafferty at nine. And now you've got Pia Suter who's up to eight goals, also had a helper in this one. So a 3.90, he's in on half of the Vancouver Canucks offense. And, you know, he's kind of quietly, I mean, there, there's nothing flashy about him. I mean, and that's very much the player that they signed. You know, the Canucks knew what they were getting. But he has been a 14 and 15 goal scorer consistently in his three years in the NHL. And here he is again with eight before the midway mark. And he's missed a bunch of games, as we said. So certainly working his way. Now, started the game on the fourth line. Of course, DiGiuseppe leaves. And so that kind of threw everything into whack. And he got an opportunity to play uh, higher in the lineup at times. And 
Now, again, we talked about JT Miller's goal being the ultimate fluke. Uh, <laughs> maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was Suter's second goal of the <laughs> night that was even yeah. flukier. Whatever the case, you take them and the contributions at both ends of the ice because, you know, the goals are great. The points are nice. But this guy has done such a good job, too, defensively. And I couldn't believe it when I looked it up uh, earlier today. You know, he played 260 even strength minutes coming into this game and has been on the ice for two goals against. And you might say, well, he's in the fourth line. You know, who's he playing against? But no, I mean, he two weeks ago, he was playing with Elias Pettersson. He was playing on one of the top lines. He started the year on that third. Like, this guy's bounced around. He's moved around. Rick Tockett's kind of felt the, the value, I think, of the versatility that he brings to the mix here. And the fact that he's been on the ice for two goals against an even strength as you near the midway mark, and again, he's only played the 20, well, three games now, but still, like, that's pretty damn impressive. And it just, you know, quietly goes about his business. Yeah. But his business is being really good defensively it, and away from the park. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember when they signed him in August, I go, you know what, that's some pretty good value for him. Uh, just part of the press release, his flexibility to be able to play down the middle or on the wing will give talk more options when putting together his forward lines. That was Patrick Alvin in August when they announced the signing of Pia Suter, two-year, $3.2 million contract, 1.6 AAV. Very good value. I mean, look, he's had 14 goals and 10 assists in 79 games. Other than the uh, the little blip in the schedule this season, he's generally been pretty healthy as a as a as a player in the National Hockey League. And I I think that those these depth signings now between him and Bluger. I mean, Cole obviously scored hasn't scored in forever, but he's another guy. They're gonna get Susie back at some point here. It's really starting to show. And this team, uh, I, I talked about maturing, and, and it was the older, it was the younger guys that are starting to mature. But I think now this team is kind of just stall, starting to all come together as one. And if they can enable that going, they go on this road trip here. They can go guns a blazing. This could be this could be a fun team to watch in March and April. This is a 13-game month that'll take them up to the All-Star break. And we'll get into this a little bit later on. Put your thinking cap on, though. I I'm curious to get your take on, you know, with where they are, the record that they've got, the fact that expectations have been raised here, heading out on a seven-game road trip. What constitutes a successful month of January? Again, 13 games, seven on the road, all in a row coming up here. And then they finish with a five-game homestand. They get this one out of the way, so they're off with the win. We'll talk about that in the final segment of this episode of Rink Wide. Still ahead, you're going to hear from the coach. We'll get into the locker room with different some players, some listener feedback as well. We've got a Rink Wide Vancouver three-star selection. We've got a stat that stands out. And we'll start to check the standings now. We can do that now that we're into 2024, so we'll add that wrinkle to rink-wide Vancouver as we carry on. But right now it is time for our Betway Bet of the Day. Uh, busy night in the National Hockey League on this night, but a uh, quiet night with just two games coming up on Wednesday. One of them sees Washington at home to New Jersey. Now it's back-to-back -back for the Capitals, but they're coming off a win in Pittsburgh, so they're going to be feeling good about themselves. Ovi scored up to eight now, uh, if you're tracking his success this season. <laughs> Both teams battling to climb above the playoff bar in the East, so some meat on this bone. The Caps are home underdogs. You can get them at 2.30 on the money line. That's the Betway bet of the day. Must be 19+. plus. Please play responsibly. The Vancouver Canucks, 6-3 winners to open the New Year's. They knock off the Ottawa Senators. They sweep the season series from the Sands, scored five in the nation's capital in a 5-2 victory back on the 9th of November. And here they do one better with six goals on the night. They chase 
Anton Forsberg and uh, Jonas Corpusalo came in. Uh, didn't uh, have to do an awful lot, as we said. The Canucks didn't have a lot of shots over the final 40 minutes, but they had built themselves the big cushion, and that was enough to see them through. 6-3, Vancouver over Ottawa. It's Jeff and Irv with you. This is Rinkwide Vancouver, brought to you by Betway. Canucks 6-3 winners over the Ottawa Senators. It's Rinkwide Vancouver. Jeff and Irf with you here. Going to hear an injury update on Phil Giuseppe from the coach momentarily. Let's get inside the locker room and the uh, media room down at Rogers Arena. You'll hear from JT Miller and Elias Pettersson as well. But uh, we'll start with the head coach, Rick Tockett, who certainly liked the opening 20 minutes of the hockey game. Yeah, great period. It's probably one of our best periods in about a month. That was awesome. What did you like about it the most? Like everything, just uh, you know, just aggressive tracking. Um, not too many mistakes. I just thought you know, everybody was uh, we were connected. <laughs> I like the question there. What did you like about it? Well, everything. <laughs> we were connected. <laughs> yes. Right. Uh, very much so. Now you're going to hear from him on the back end of this answer. The update on Phil DiGiuseppe, who left the game after just three shifts, only played two minutes and thirteen seconds. Uh, spoiler alert, it doesn't sound great for PDG, but uh, the question was put to the coach about Pia Suter's night. Now, we'll get to the Rinkwide Vancouver three stars here coming up, but you're going to hear of that name again. But uh, Rick Tockett on the, the big night uh, offensively for Pia Suter with two goals and an assist. You know, uh, when uh, Di Giuseppe went down, um, he was everywhere. You know, I put him on the wing, put him at center because we had a, a short forward. So he made the most of his opportunity. What can you tell us about Phil? Yeah, um, I haven't talked to the doctors or the trainers yet, but, um, you know, I don't think, I mean, I, I, he's not going to be playing for a while, I think. I don't know exactly the timeline. Well, that doesn't sound great for PDG there at the back end. Again, no official update. Uh, I always, coaches, oh, I haven't talked to the, the trainers and the doctor yet. Uh, yeah. Well, you know you're going to get asked that question, so how about you stop by their office and uh, and ask a question or two before facing the media. But it's been an up-and-down season for Phil DiGiuseppe. Open the year. He had earned that spot uh, with Miller and Besser and then had sort of lost the spot due to ineffective play. Came out of the lineup. Uh, I think he'd been a healthy scratch five times, but on the night that he returned and was given this opportunity to play higher in the lineup and uh, only makes it through three shifts, and now it sounds like uh, we won't see him for a little while. Yeah, I tried looking for it on a couple of the replays there, Jeff, and it, look, you never want to speculate on injuries or anything like that, but he did limp down the hallway, down the down the tunnel there, and that was one of those things where you look at it and you say, I think Rick did talk to the doctors, and they said it's not good. Right. I think it was one of those things, so... You know, you hope for his sake, you know, he makes the team, he, he's playing, he played well. Um, he was kind of in and out of the lineup again, but you hope it's not too long-term, especially for this team and especially for him as well. But, uh, yeah, like you said, it prob probably non-contact maybe doesn't look too good there. So the Canucks have one healthy forward. Nils Amon took the warm-up, and there was some question about who was going to come out. It turned out that it's Nils Amon, but they're heading out on this seven-game road trip. I would think that certainly one call-up, possibly two from the farm. So you can look for that. It's going to be a travel day. They're not skating here locally, but uh, I would think the news would come out at some point on Wednesday. Elias Pettersson, two goals on the night, up to 15 on the season. Uh, first one, and we're seeing this more and more. Like, guys, McDavid scored a goal like this uh, in L.A. on the weekend. I mean, the players are so good, so smart, and they recognize when goaltenders are down that there is sort of that top part of the net 
Patterson just fires the puck from a sharp angle from basically behind the goal line, snuck through, rolled across the goal line, and then he had the presence of mind to sneak around and, and tuck it in on the backside there. So, uh, you know, not a pretty goal necessarily, but still a pretty headsy play, I thought, by Elias Patterson. And then the power play goal tried the one-timer, sort of healed it uh, off his stick and then off Jake Sanderson. And then Patterson was asked uh, about his power play goal. Nice to have a lucky lucky bounce go in and uh, get some confidence of that. Uh, yeah, we only got one today, but I thought we we moved well, got some looks, and um, yeah, got a goal. Did you almost feel a little embarrassed? It looked like when you, when that puck went in. Or? Well, it's like uh, no, I'll, I'll take it every day, but it's just uh, yeah. one of those lucky ones. It's like oh, I don't know. It's just my natural reaction. Yeah, looked a little sheepish there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, the good ones, no when they've hit it properly and when they get a little fortunate break. And certainly, Petey got a couple on the night. As we said, the Canucks, uh, you hope they didn't use up their entire quota of bounces for the season in in one night in the first game of the calendar year. But good to see some smiles after the work that uh, they put in on the power play. Now, we talked about this in the opening segment, that convincing win on the scoreboard at 6-3 to or up 5 to nothing. again, sometimes it can be difficult to play, I think this speaks to the raised standards inside that locker room, though, that, you know, JT Miller's all business. He scores. Like, it would have been easy to say, hey, it was great. We spread the scoring around. It was nice to, you know, see some guys that haven't scored in a while. Whatever the case, JT wasn't having any of that, that uh, he knows that as they play better opponents, you can't just punch out after 20 minutes and think that it's going to be easy. So here's JT Miller on a nice start, but the fact that they kind of Sleptwalk through the remainder of the hockey game. Well, I just liked our start. I mean, I think that no matter if you score those goals or not, it's good for the it's good for the game, good for the pace. Um, that being said, I feel like we just totally sat on a five goal lead going after the first period, and uh, um, you know, somewhere where if we're going to take steps as a team, we need to play the second and third like it's nothing, nothing. And I thought that uh, you know, we we, got, we we played worse after the first period, so. Um, nice to enjoy the win, but you know it's kind of been going the same all year. We're going to evaluate ourselves honestly, and and uh, we didn't play very well after the first period. I thought. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, yeah. a frank assessment from a guy that, uh, you know, I mean, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He's a pretty honest dude, and uh, that's an interesting answer. But I think that's the approach for this hockey club is that, you know, if you're playing some of the upper echelon teams, you're not getting away playing 20 minutes. Well, and that's just it, Jeff. I, I think that JT Miller knows what's coming and knows. Where, where this team needs to be if they're going to play against the upper echelon teams. And if everyone wants to think the Canucks are an upper echelon team, you can't coast through the second and third period. As much as you've given yourself all of this cushion in, in, in January, and it's only the second, whatever, the first game of the year, but JT knows. And I think that's him saying, okay, it's nice to be happy about a win like this. And yeah, we score five goals in the period, but we just can't sit back and let a team take it to us, especially over the remaining 40. You know, I mean, the final shots on goal are 38-26 for the Senators, but at even strength, according to Natural Statric, the Canucks, you know, 60% of the scoring chances in this hockey game, the scoring chances were 26-18, and the high dangers were 15-9 in the Canucks' favor. So when this game was on the line, it was all Canucks, and yeah, I mean, some score effects come into play there. But no, I mean, they're going to see better teams as they move here into the second half, and and so you just can't ease your way uh, through a lot of these hockey games. All right, we'll ease our way through the rink-wide Vancouver three-star selection, as we do on each and every post-game pod like this one. Three stars in the building, Elias Pettersson, Pia Suter, and Thatcher Demko. We talked about Demko a little bit uh, getting the 99 career victories, so uh, 100 is just around the corner for him. 
he didn't figure in my three stars here. Uh, I'll give him honorable mention. Uh, the <laughs> save that he made on Shabbat late in the hockey game. I mean, highlight real stuff. It's six to three. Even if it gets in, it's not going to affect the outcome of the hockey game. There were some other saves along the way. Giroux scored in the second, and then uh, a few minutes later had another opportunity in the slot through traffic, and Demko squared to the puck, made that save. So, sure, we'll uh, you know tip of the cap to Thatcher Demko. I'm going with Pia Suter as the number one star. Two goals and an assist. Yeah, there was a lucky bounce on the second one. I uh, like the heads-up play, though, to follow that puck on his uh, opening goal, or the, his first goal that made it 2-0. He also had five shots on goal. So, you know, puck on his stick in the offensive zone, making some things happen there. Uh, you heard Rick Tockett talk about uh, played him at some wing, played him at center at uh, some yeah. junctures in the hockey game. So, you know, the Swiss Army knife, really nice night for, for Pia Suter. He was the first star in my books. Elias Pettersson, two goals. Again, five shots like Suter. So uh, you want to see EP40 shooting the puck, and he was doing that. We've talked about the goals. Uh, there was, <laughs> you know, hey, uh, the good goal scorers, uh, they get the breaks along the way, and this is one of those nights. But uh, if it's about building confidence for him and for the power play, then, you know, let's see how they follow this one up uh, on Thursday in St. Louis. And I'm going to give Ian Cole a little love for the third star. First goal in forever. First goal in forever. And, you know, that pairing with, Noah Juleson, Juleson got the assist on the goal. Uh, it will be interesting here, and, and who knows when Carson Soucy gets into the lineup. It could come as early as Thursday in St. Louis. It's going to happen on the road trip. I mean, he, he essentially is cleared now, uh, but has been skating as an extra defender. And I thought a really interesting comment from Rick Tockett after the morning skate saying that it's essentially game by game and that his decisions could be based on a game like this one. I mean, I think we all assume that it's going to be Noah Juleson who comes out of the lineup, yeah. and I do too. But I just thought it was interesting, and whether that was messaging through the media to the players, you know, to keep them on their toes. Like, I have a tough time seeing them pull Tyler Myers or Nikita Zadorov. I don't think that's going to happen. No. But uh, I just thought that, you know, Rick Tockett wouldn't come right out, and, and you know, he had praise for Noah Juleson, who, again, I thought uh, played a pretty strong game against the Senators. But, look, there's no shame in being a seventh defenseman at the National Hockey League level and staying ready, and, you know, injuries do happen. So... Uh, just as it looked like the Canucks were going to get 100% healthy in the middle of a season, and that almost never happens. And so uh, you don't want to say you expect an injury, but uh, the news on Phil DiGiuseppe means that they are not 100% healthy. But uh, they were 100% uh, full value for the 6-3 victory over the Ottawa Senators. P.S. Suter, Elias Pettersson, Ian Cole, the rink-wide Vancouver three-star selection. Still ahead, we've got our stat that stands out. We'll get into the little listener feedback. We're going to talk about expectations for this month of January, a 13-game month that starts with the win over the Senators. We'll also check the updated league, overall league, and Pacific Division standing. So lots still to come here. It's Jeff and Earth with you. Rink-wide Vancouver, brought to you by Betway. Breaking down a 6-3 victory, the Vancouver Canucks over the Ottawa Senators. Elias Pettersson with a pair. Pius Suter had two. JT Miller and Ian Cole. Yes, Ian Cole, who told Canucks.com in a story about New Year's resolutions that uh, his was to score a goal. And then he went out and made good, opens the scoring. I had to look it up. Uh, did you say 90 games? Back to December 
13th of 2022 against Seattle. So, yeah, it had been a little while since yeah. uh, he had found the back of the net, but picked his spot, snapped it home, some good traffic in front of the net, as we said. Uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, Rick Tockett's checklist of all the staples of winning board battles and getting shots through and quick passes and getting guys to the front of the net. So I think the coach would have liked that one and uh, obviously liked the fact that the floodgates opened there as the Canucks built the 5 nothing lead. We'll get uh, to some listener feedback here momentarily. We do a stat that stands out uh, after each and every Canuck game. Sometimes it's from the game itself. Sometimes it's a cumulative stat, and that's the case here in this one because they lost their last one to Philadelphia. I was curious to see. This team's been really good all season about bouncing back, and they did that in style here. And I think what impresses me about the Canucks is you know, when they lose, they don't allow one loss to bleed into the next one. Like that Philadelphia loss... And it was bad. They weren't very good that night. But if it stands alone, the stat that stands out, they're 8-1-2 and two in their last 11 hockey games. And so, yeah, even though for one night, you know, there, there's still an element, I think, of the fan base that thinks, uh-oh, like, okay, the sky is going to fall here at some point. And yet the Canucks have done a really nice job all season long. And again, in this one against the Ottawa Senators, saying, no, everything's just fine. And, you know, they're going to be tested out on a seven-game road trip. But there's also some very winnable games on this trip. And so take the momentum. We talked about the fact that some of their stars found the score sheet, you know, for a guy like JT Miller, you know, maybe that is all it'll take. Maybe, you know, it swings back the other way for him now and uh, he'll lead this team with a, a big road trip. We'll see whatever, but eight, one and two of these other teams that are in the chase pack, you know, they keep looking and thinking, like, how do we make up ground on the Vancouver Canucks when all these guys do is win? Yeah. I know you, I mean, some others won tonight, yeah. obviously as well. Uh, you look at the other teams that are, that are just trying to get there. It's wow. I mean, they still have to play Vegas. They still have to play LA a few times. And a lot of teams do have games on the Vancouver Canucks, but they've done an unbelievable job, Jeff. And we talk about it all the time of just banking these wins in their back pocket to afford games that they can lose. You know, not night in and night out, obviously, but you you can afford to have an off night if you're the Vancouver Canucks. You don't want to. You want to be able to keep this consistency going in and the way you're playing as you head in down the stretch run and into March and April and obviously the playoffs. But 500 hockey cruises you right into the playoffs if you're the Vancouver Canucks. I know you don't want to. You don't want to play that, but that's what's going to get you there. Like so, the Canucks are they're eight one and two in their last eleven, but seven one and two in their last ten. NHL.com has a last 10 column for every team in the league. You look at the West, no team has made up ground on the Vancouver mm-hmm. Canucks. Edmonton has won six in a row. They're seven and three in the last 10, but the Canucks have gained points on the Oilers who have righted the ship and moving in the right direction. You know, Seattle is seven, one and two in its last 10. The Kraken have won five straight, but they had lost eight in a row before this string of points that they're on right now and a good win at the Winter Classic for them. Uh, but the Winnipeg Jets who have 50 points now and kind of quietly deserve more attention than they're probably getting to this stage in the, the season. But, you know, the Jets are 7-1-2 and two in their last 10. Colorado 7-2-1. and one. So there's a bunch of teams that have seven wins. But, again, if you're the Canucks and you have one outright loss in your last 10, it is tough for anybody to make up ground. So, yeah, good bounce back for them. It's been a remarkable run, obviously, to get to this point with 24 victories in 37 games. All right, let's get into the social channels here and see what the people are saying. Scott says, P.S. Pewter is a bargain. You talked about that uh, a little bit earlier on. Uh, So you're not alone there. It it is funny. And I guess maybe this speaks to the fact that expectations and the bar have been raised. And it was a long time coming. 
Drew says, not really impressed, to be honest. Great that they won, but they got their lunch fed to them in the second and third periods. Need to be able to keep their foot on the gas for a full 60, and they haven't done that lately. Put yourself in the Canucks' skates. It's 5 nothing after the first period. The Sens pull their, you know, they give their goaltender the hook. Like, it did look like the Canucks were going to be on easy street for the rest of the night. Like, I do think sometimes those are difficult minutes yeah. to play to keep that intensity level when you don't know if the opposition has come to play at all. So I'm not going to grind the Canucks on the fact that they got outshot as badly as they did over the final two periods. I thought the second period, like they get out of the second period, they're up five to one. I actually thought, okay, yeah, they gave up the goal to Giroux off the rush. Other than that, I didn't think that they gave up an awful lot as I looked through my notes here. And we talked about the shorthanded breakaway, Lafferty out of the penalty box. Like the Canucks had some chances in that second period to extend the lead. They didn't score on them. The Sens finally got some saves. But I actually liked the way the Canucks played the second period, even though they were outshot 12 to 6. Third period, yeah, there was no doubt score effects, and the Canucks were sitting back and just trying to run out the clock a little bit more. But uh, again, I have trouble taking them to task on a night where they built up a, a 5 nothing lead. Yeah, I think, Jeff, you and I have been in a lot of locker rooms over the years, and you talk to a guy off camera, and they'll say, you know what, up 5 nothing after the first out, it's tough. It's, yeah. It is tough because you you know you're probably going to win the hockey game and you know that there's going to be a push from the other team. You don't know how long it's going to be. They're probably going to get one. But staying engaged, I think, is a little bit difficult for some of those guys. It may have been, and it, and it kind of looked like that a little bit, but 5 nothing under the third, there's no doubt they were winning that hockey game, in my right. opinion. So they're going to win. Yeah, okay, maybe they got outplayed. They obviously got outshot, but at the end of the day, you, you get your two points in your back pocket and on to New York or on to St. Louis, sorry. Yeah, they'll get to New York in yeah. time, but uh, have to stop over in St. Louis first. Ernie says, team was ready to go from the drop of the puck. Another win and two points. Love the short shifts as well. And we talked about the fact down to 11. You know, that kind of messes a little bit, but uh, everybody seemed to be, you know, pulling on the same rope. No, too many men on the ice penalties. Uh, no confusion of the bench. So uh, that's success because uh, uh, they were running into too many of those uh, in the games leading into Christmas. Pablo says senators need Rick Tockett to change their culture and fix their systems. Well, they just made their coaching change. I don't know what to make of this Ottawa team. I mean, there's a ton of good young talent. I get that. They have four road wins on the season. They have the worst penalty kill. They're one of the most undisciplined teams, and you saw a little bit of that from Zach McEwen, although penalties weren't a story. I think the referees uh, had somewhere to go, a different yeah. date to get to. Just one penalty, uh, one power play each way. But, yeah, like it, it does sort of feel like the Senators should be further along. I know that certainly people in Ottawa feel that way. They're just a, a bit of a strange team. You know, on a quiet night from Brady Kachuk, like you know, on a night where things weren't going his team's way, I kind of thought he might be the guy that, Tried to drag them in the fight in that first period when it got 3 nothing, 4 nothing, ultimately to 5 nothing. But uh, he just kind of went quietly like their team did. It's funny because he's been doing that maybe far too often. He might be one of the only guys that's kind of done it for this team over the last little while. The Senators are so fascinating. I know this is a Canucks show, but the Senators very quickly, like, they got Jacques Martin, mm. right? You have Daniel Alfredson now behind the bench. Alfredson's never going to be the head coach because Yonder's never going to want to fire Daniel Alfredson. So what do you do? Like, what is your game plan here? If you're the Ottawa Senators, you have so much young talent on that roster. And, you know, they were, they're, they're, the odds for them to make the playoffs this season, that was almost automatic money if you think about it. And now you look at it and say, okay, yeah, this team's going to struggle. And then are they going to be in the bottom the bottom half of the league standings when it's all said and done? But anyways, yeah, interesting times there in Ottawa for sure. Well, they are 
dead last in the yeah. Eastern Conference by points. Now, again, they've got games in hand, but still, you know, this is a team that is 14 and 19 now, stuck on 28 points, and kind of feels like a, another season uh, has slipped by. I uh, just wanted to get to one last comment here. Uh, interesting uh, from Hockey is Fun. <laughs> Kuzmenko benched again, lowest minutes of ice time on the team. Thought he had a decent game. I guess not. Now, usually when Andre Kuzmenko's minutes are up, he's getting lots of power play time. They had one power play, didn't last a full two minutes because they scored. Outside of that, didn't notice him an awful lot in this hockey game. And when I look at the final numbers for Kuzmenko on the night, 11 minutes and 48 seconds is relatively low. Didn't have a shot on goal, had a couple of attempts. I didn't think this was a good game or a bad game for Kuzmenko. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I guess somebody's got to be the low ice time man. And again, uh, well, ultimately, Phil DiGiuseppe was at two minutes and 13 seconds. But of the guys that made it through the hockey game, uh, yeah, I think it really was more a case of that they're just the bulk of the game was played five on five. And once they got their comfortable comfortable lead, you know, in that third period, of course, Rick Tockett, once it gets to, you know, five two and then five three, Tockett's not going to make take any chances. And shortens so the bench a little shortens bit. Shortens the yeah. bench, and Kuzmenko has been part of that. But, you know, I don't think uh, he did anything that's going to affect his status for the next game. Like, I, I can't imagine that there were things in this game that, and look, the coaching staff will review game film. Maybe there were some things that they didn't like from Kuzmenko, but we've had lots of nights where he has been one of the main talking points. This one was not. That. No. And I think that, you know, look, he wasn't noticeable. It's probably a good thing. Yeah, everyone, you're going to go and look at his minutes and say, okay, well, low-minute guy, probably didn't play much. But, yes, definitely not a lot of power play time for the Vancouver Canucks uh, against the Ottawa Senators. And if you're not noticing uh, Andre Kuzmenko otherwise, other than that, I think it's not a bad thing. You know, because he's not getting in troubles in his own end. You know, the, the, the game is coached a lot differently. And Rick Tockett is going to coach a game to try and win it. And if... Even if you're up five nothing and and five one and five two and he still doesn't want to put you out there, you're not going out there. So it's not really a knock on Andre Kuzmenko. I think it's more so that this is what Rick Tockett is, and this is kind of what Andre Kuzmenko's reality is right now as a Vancouver Canuck. All right, we said we'd look at the standings here now that uh, the calendar has flipped into 2024. With the victory, the Vancouver Canucks are a single point out of first place. Uh, they were there at Christmas time. Other teams have played more games than they have and gained some ground. Boston has won four in a row, including a victory over Columbus. So uh, Boston at 52 points, the Rangers at 51, the Canucks at 51, Colorado an overtime win over the Islanders, the Avs at 51 as well. We mentioned Winnipeg, they're up to 50. So five teams are at 50 or better and the Vancouver Canucks are one of them. As far as the Pacific Division, Vegas was idle, got uh, thumped in the Winter Classic by the Seattle Kraken on New Year's Day, and the Los Angeles Kings losing at home to the Toronto Maple Leafs. So the Vancouver Canucks gained some ground in that Pacific Division, the battle for top spot. Canucks are two points clear of Vegas. They've got a game in hand on the Golden Knights as well. And when we talked about the Canucks 7-1-2 and two in their last 10, Vegas is 4-6 and six in its last 10 games. The LA Kings at 4-4-2 four, four, and two in their last. So the Canucks, again, picking up victories and picking up uh, spots and, and gaining ground, certainly in the standings on those teams at the top of the Pacific Division. The Canucks at 51, Vegas at 49, and the Los Angeles Kings stick at 45. Kings do have four games in hand. All right. I mentioned earlier the Canucks are out of town now for the better part of two weeks. So they're heading out on a seven-game road trip. 
13 games in January. They win against Ottawa to start the month. Now out on the road for seven in St. Louis, into Jersey. Rangers and Islanders back-to-back. That's the only back-to-back this month. And then the back half of the trip is Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Columbus. So there could or should be some wins, you'd think, there. And then they come home, and again, on a five-game homestand that'll take them into the All-Star break, Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks, Arizona for the first time this season, Columbus, the Leafs are here. Uh, You know, there are winnable games. And I think as this team has evolved and shown that internally they have raised the stakes and the expectations, like I look at this and say seven, four, and two for me is kind of where I am in a 13-game month. You scratch one of the wins already. So can they win six of the remaining 12 games? Really, they go six and six, but managing two of the losses, get them to overtime or shoot out, pick up points there. You know, if they can do that, if they get that math, or seven, four, and two for the month, that'll be sixteen points. That'll get them to sixty-five at the All Star break. <laughs> it's wild. Sixty-five at the All Star break. They would need thirty points over their final thirty-three games to get to ninety-five, and this year ninety-five is going to get them into the playoffs with breathing room. So. I don't know, 7-4-2 seems like a pretty reasonable ask, I think, for this hockey club. Yeah, when you asked me that, uh, I'd, 7 was the number that came to mind for me. I, I think that they, I think that they can get to that. Like you mentioned the teams that they're playing, you know, very winnable hockey games. And, you know, you go out on the East and, you know, Madison Square Garden is going to be good. The, Ra- the Devils, you're going to get up for that game, obviously, as well. The Islanders, you know, you, you're there and... You're playing against Columbus. You're playing against Pittsburgh. You 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 should be able to beat these teams. You know, Connor Bedard at home. You should be able to beat them. I mean, the interesting one will be the Toronto Maple Leafs here. Everyone, the hoopla that comes with with the Leafs being in town. But that's an interesting one. I think this team is is good enough to win eight if they really wanted. But seven for me is is the magic number. And for this team to be able to go and do that, you just mentioned the 65 point plateau to reach that at the All Star break would be unbelievable for them. And I think that that, when you look at it, look at your goals ahead, obviously, I know this team says they want to focus on one game at a time and one thing at a time, but you know, upstairs, they're doing the math. Mm-hmm. Patrick Alvin's doing it. Rick Talkin, his coaching staff's doing the math. They go, okay, let's look, let's plan, let's see. They probably already know what games Casey DeSmith is going to start and what, what games he's going to get in. So yeah, I, I would say seven or eight wins for sure to to kind of round out this month. Yeah, and I think that's something that certainly bears monitoring is the usage of the goaltending. Casey DeSmith, again, has given the Canucks ample goaltending. I know the Philadelphia game wasn't a great game for anybody. Yeah, just the one back-to-back. So that will, in all likelihood, be a split. And then it's a question of, you know, in a 13-game month, does Demko get nine? Does he? Is it an 8-5 split? So we'll see, I suppose. I would think that uh, you start Demko in St. Louis at the start of the road trip and probably in New Jersey. And then from there, uh, we'll see how it goes. But uh, we'll leave that uh, to the coaching staff to make those decisions. Demko, uh, a winner in this one as the Canucks down the Ottawa Senators by a score of 6-3. to three. So 2024 off to uh, a good start for the Vancouver Canucks and uh, certainly made some strides in 2023. We'll see where this calendar year will lead the Vancouver Canucks, but certainly all roads are pointing to playoff hockey this spring for the Vancouver Canucks. 
first show of the new year is in the books for Earth. This is Jeff. As always, we really appreciate your support. We'll be back to do this again on Thursday when the Canucks kick off the road trip in St. Louis. But that's going to do it for this episode. 6-3, the final. The Vancouver Canucks defeat the Ottawa Senators. You've been listening to Rinkwide Vancouver, a presentation of Betway.